what Peter was out there on the water and Jesus told him to cast his net on the other side. And all of a sudden you can see the gears or you can see them hypothetically in your mind turning. He's fished all night long. I mean, he's a fisherman, all right? Jesus was a carpenter. I mean, what can a carpenter tell a fisherman about fishing, right? Uh, I mean, you real fishermen know you've got everything figured out. And Jesus says, cast your net on the other side. And he starts thinking to himself, we've been here all night. We've got experience in fishing. They're not biting. We haven't caught anything. And he almost reasoned away the commands of God. Have you ever found yourself doing that? I am as guilty as the next guy. I'll know exactly what God says, whether through the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God in my heart, or I'll know what God has said from his printed, preserved word. And yet I'll start reasoning away why I don't have to do what I know God says I'm supposed to do. And I'm about to miss out just like Peter was about to miss out on. You know what Peter almost reasoned away? The Bible says they brought in a great drought of fishes that the net was about to break. I mean, they were about to miss out on the miracle of what God wanted to do by reasoning it away. When all he had to do was he said, nevertheless, at thy word. Nevertheless, at thy word. Okay. Okay, if you say so. When I was a youth pastor, I used to tell my teenagers all the time, if God says in his word that tomorrow it's going to rain nacho cheese, you better go find the biggest bowl of chips you can find because it's going to rain nacho cheese. Look, don't reason it away. It's never rained cheese before. If God says it's going to rain cheese, it's going to rain cheese. He told Noah, look, it's going to rain. It had never rained before. Just go build the boat. God, you don't understand how far we are away from the... It doesn't matter. God says, just do what I told you to. And boy, Noah ended up on the right end of that deal, didn't he? Because he just did what God said. Now, folks, there's a lot of things tonight. This is not the message. This is a freebie. There's a lot of things tonight we're worrying about, a lot of things we're curious about, we're, we're bothered about, and we're fearful about that God has already figured out. And if we'll just do what he said and decide, you know what, I believe, I believe the book. I'm just going to do what he says, and I'm going to leave the consequences of that to God. And the good news is he knows exactly what needs to be done, and he can supply us with what needs to be done. So let's, let's decide tonight. We're going to make that our, uh, our theme for our life, that we believe the book, and we're just going to do what the book says. Amen? All right, that's sermon number one. Let's have sermon number two, Galatians chapter number six. If you want to go ahead and turn there, turn to Galatians one. We'll start there, and then we're going to go over to Galatians chapter number six. I told you this morning that I was going to preach short, and I, I am. I have every intention because I, uh, I need to close tonight with a little bit of information on our week of renewal. hope you were, uh, were stopping by there with our ushers and got you one of the flyers. Uh, we gave the dates out. It's one of the things we didn't get on there, but we gave the dates out uh, November the 8th. It'll be our week of renewal all the way through Saturday. Going to have many opportunities for everyone. We're going to go over that after the sermonette tonight, right? We're not going to call it a devotion because Brother Jim gets mad when we call it a devotion. Uh, we're going to call it a sermonette tonight because I want to prep uh, what we need to do. I told you if you come back tonight, I was going to share you with you what I need your help on as we go into this week of renewal, and I really do need Need your help. Your church needs your help as we go into this week. And so I appreciate you coming back tonight. And at the conclusion of the message, we're going to go uh, not into the invitation just yet. After the conclusion of the message, we're going to go right into explaining about the week of renewal. And then we're going to have our invitation time after that. So we're going to mix the schedule up just a little bit, but I think that's okay to keep you on your toes.
those uh, from time to time. Galatians chapter number 1, uh, look down to verse number 1, then we're going to jump over to Galatians chapter number 6. The Bible says, Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia, grace be to you and peace from, the God, from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. Isn't verse 4 encouraging in times like these? Verse 5, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now watch verse number 6. I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Turn over, if you will, chapter number 6, look at verse number 1. We're going to try to tie a lot of this together tonight, if we could, in the short time that we will have, and then go into our week of renewal prep. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Verse 2, bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Look over, if you will, to verse number 9. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. That's a lot to unravel and try to stitch together. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us with it tonight. Father, thank you so much for your goodness, for your grace. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being here today, Lord, both this morning and tonight. Thank you for the great spirit. Thank you for working in the service, the decisions that were made. Pray you bless again tonight. You'd speak to your people. Challenge us tonight, Lord, as the church to be about your business until you call us home. Holy Spirit, pray you'd speak to hearts, Lord, in a way that only you can. And I pray that we would genuinely respond in obedience during the invitation time tonight. For it's in Jesus' name, amen. Now, the book of Galatians, real quickly, a little bit of background on Galatians. When you start studying it out, it's extremely applicable uh, for the day and age that we're living in uh, right now. And one particular area we're going to focus on for the next few minutes until we transition to the second part of our service tonight. Uh, what we're reading about is a church that Paul helped or, or did establish, and he established them in the faith. Things were going well. They were doing well. Uh, but if you look down to verse number 6, something happened. They went from an established faith to a scattered faith in just a short amount of time. Uh, Paul emphasizes this in verse number 6 of chapter 1. He says, I marvel. All right. Now, when the Apostle Paul marvels, uh, you know it's something amazing because the Apostle Paul has seen some amazing things in his life. But he says in verse number 6, I marvel. What's he marveling at? Uh, that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Now, what he's amazed at is here was a church that was established in the faith and doing well, in a short amount of time, they've been scattered from their faith. Now, what has scattered them? Well, when you look on down, the Bible says in verse number 7, uh, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you. Trouble had come into the church, and trouble had scattered the church. Now, it's amazing to Paul that it happened so quickly. 
Now, I don't know about you, but I've had trouble in my life, and if there's anything that can scatter people quickly, it is trouble. All right? Uh, you can go from one minute as Jesus and the disciples in the upper room having a time of unity to the Garden of Gethsemane to where all of a sudden they all forsook him and fled. Why? Trouble entered in. Uh, I've seen it happen between the best of friends. I've seen it happen in families. I've seen it happen in churches where there is unity, and then when trouble comes along, all of a sudden the devil uses that trouble as a wedge and scatters the church. I think I've told you this before, but we have a lot of new people, so they haven't heard it, and so I need to tell it for them. The rest of you just smile and pretend like you've never heard it before. Years ago, I was up in Memphis. We were doing Bible clubs up there uh, in a neighborhood, just I think three or four-story apartment complexes. It was raining one day, uh, and I pulled up in my little PT cruiser, and I was telling the guys, I said, okay, I want you to hit that one. I'll hit this one. You hit that one, and you hit that one. I said, all right, look, I don't want to get my car soaked. It was a new car, electric windows. I didn't want everything to get soaked. I said, so on the count of three, we're going to open the doors, run to the doors, uh, and get under the cover and start knocking those doors and inviting them to our Bible club. And so once we had all of our instruction, counted to three. One, two, three, boom, open the doors and flew toward the houses. Well, under the eaves of the houses, people were sitting out there on their front porch in their chairs, and all of a sudden, these guys jump out of the cars, begin running toward their houses. They jump out of their chairs and begin running toward their houses too. They fled. I go up and I'm knocking on doors and you can see people peeking out behind the curtains. And I'm, I'm just waving, hey, you know, I'm not a mean looking guy as far as I know. You know, I'm trying to smile and hey, hey, how you doing? We're from the church. We're to invite people to the church. Finally, the lady opened up the door and the chain was still locked. That's how you know you haven't breached that trust mark there yet because the chain was still hooked. She believed me enough to open it but not to undo the chain. And I said, hey, how you doing? My name's Jeremiah Andrews, and we're from such and such Baptist church here in Memphis, and we're out having a Bible club for kids and all that. And she goes, whew. She pulls off the chain, opens the door. She says, I thought you were somebody else. Now, I don't know who she thought I was, but evidently she thought I was trouble because as soon as I showed up on the scene, they scattered really, really quick. Now, I don't know what kind of cop would be driving around in a PT cruiser, but that's another story for another day. But she thought I was trouble, and it scattered her. Now, folks, I think we'd all agree tonight that trouble has a way of scattering us, doesn't it? The Apostle Paul says things were going good. You were established. You were rooted. You were grounded. And all of a sudden, he's marveling that you're so soon removed. What removed them? Verse 7, the Bible says it was trouble. Now, folks, could we all agree tonight the last couple of years, we have experienced a lot of trouble, both on a personal level, family level, church level, national level. The devil would love to use and has used a lot of the trouble we've gone through to scatter us, particularly in the area of the church. We are human. We have fleshly emotions, and we are prone to emotional feelings, all right? Uh, when LSU won yesterday, I was just so excited because I had tickets to that game. I turned them down because I didn't want to go and see them be beat. That shows you how much discernment I have. And man, I was just so excited that I read today, the coach got fired. I'm like, oh, just back down again. You know, that's just LSU. We're up and we're down. You know, it just kind of goes like that. We're prone to those emotions, and if you'd admit it tonight, we're all prone that when circumstances change, there's a tendency for all of us to change with the circumstances, correct? Trouble comes along, we have that tendency to scatter. I've heard a few of you from time to time say, I can go from zero to crazy in less than a minute. And I believe it. I've watched a few of you. I think all of us who have kids know that feeling. 
You wake up, the sun is shining, it's the perfect temperature outside. You add your, your, your pumpkin spice latte for breakfast, everything's going good. You're whistling, the kids seem to be doing fine. And before you ever get in the car to take them to school, you're worried that you may get arrested before you get there because your mood has changed because one of the kids forgot their notebook. They didn't bring their lunch money or, some, or they even forgot their shoes. That's actually happened in our household before. It's amazing. Circumstances have the tendency to change us. Now, what we don't realize tonight, or I don't think we realize as much as we should, is the circumstances of the life and the world we've been living in for the last two years have affected us more than we realize. The bad news, it's affected us and it's affected many of our people. It's affected all of us on different levels. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, I think we'd all agree that at some point over the last little while, through all that we've gone through, we've all been susceptible to weariness. The circumstances of my life, maybe not yours, but maybe the circumstances of my life, I've experienced weariness. I've been tired of it. I've been done with all of this. I've been running out of toilet paper and Oreos, as I told you this morning. That's enough to make anybody go from zero to crazy in less than a minute. Weariness. I think we've all been disappointed. We've had discouragement. We've all experienced trials. We've all uh, experienced times of, uh, of difficulty, even in our own homes. Why? Because the circumstances, trouble, has a way of weighing on us. That's the bad news. Here's the good news. The good news is tonight, God has given us a wonderful institution that helps provide the much-needed support that we need to get through these times. You know what that institution is? It's the church. It's the church. If there was ever a time you needed your church, it's right now. You look at the book of Galatians. Paul says, I marvel you're so soon removed. He says, trouble has moved you or removed you, the apostle Paul says. And as he goes to the book of Galatians, he begins to address this issue. What's amazing as we look at how he addresses it, go with me back, if you will, to chapter number six. He gives them some things they can do for each other to remind them of who they are and what they're to be about. Now, what's amazing when you read this passage of Scripture, these could apply as if he had written them for 2021. I want to give us just a few reminders of who we are to be to one another, okay? It's easy for us to get wrapped up in the cares, the burdens, the disappointments, the weariness, and know how we feel. Boy, I'm going through a trial. I'm having a struggle. I'm having a difficult time with all this. The truth of the matter is everybody is. And if we get so focused in on ourselves and what we're going through and the burdens that we're bearing, we're going to neglect those that God has placed us to be an encouragement to. So tonight, I'm going to give you three quick helps for our household, okay? Three helps for our household, and I'm talking about our household of faith. These will be very short, they'll be very quick, and then we're going to this week of renewal because this works right in to what I believe God would have us, uh, have us to do in the upcoming weeks. Now, chapter 6, verse number 1, notice Paul is addressing a body that's been scattered. Now, they've been scattered through doctrinal difficulty and doctrinal trouble. Uh, you look it up, the Judaizers had come in and caused them trouble, and they've scattered the body, okay? The body's not what it should be because of the trouble. Now, we're not facing that kind of trouble, but all the same, we've gone through trouble, and it has a tendency to scatter our faith. Verse number one, Paul reminds them of something they need to be aware of in the, in the body of Christ. He says, brethren, key word there, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Now notice what's happening here. 
The Bible says if a man be overtaken in a fault. Now you look up that word overtaken and it means this, surprised before he can flee. When you're overtaken by something, you're surprised before you can flee. It's like when you come around a curve and you're breaking the speed limit and there's that cop sitting there in the curve, all right, and he hits the lights. You know what happens? You've been overtaken by him. He has surprised you before you can flee, okay? You know, your neck gets hot and you get that sick feeling in your stomach because you fix to pay 150 bucks for having a heavy leaded foot, okay? Now, here's what's worse. What's worse is when you get overtaken by a trial or overtaken by trouble. Could I go ahead and say tonight there's not a one of us in this room that will not be overtaken by a trial or by trouble at some point in your life. If you think tonight that you are 10 feet tall and bulletproof and you're never going to have a trouble or a trial, this is not going to help you tonight. But if you're indeed a red-blooded human being, we need to understand and remember this. That every one of us are going to face a time where we are surprised before we can flee. That means something's going to overtake us in our life. And what's amazing is it can happen in an instant. That zero to 60, all of a sudden, something overtakes us. Our day goes from wonderful sunshine and roses to down in the dumps and dark clouds. It's just an instance of circumstance. And all of a sudden, we've been overtaken. This is what the Bible tells us in 1 Peter 5, be sober, be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, that means not your friend, the devil as a roaring lion, seeketh whom he may devour. Now, I love the fact that he's described as a large cat. I guess today's the day to pick on cats. You ever watch those movies, the you know, Discovery Channel movies or National Geographic? You know, those lions are going to pounce on that poor little gazelle out there. And they're just sitting there in the bushes and they're waiting to pounce. And all of a sudden that little gazelle walks by with not a care in the world. He's just fro frolicking along. He's having a sunshine and roses kind of day. He doesn't know it, but he's about to become lunch. I think on a lesser level, we've all seen it before with our house cats and crickets or lizards. You know, they're channeling that inner lion that's there, and they're just sitting there, and they're watching that cricket or watching that lizard, and before they know it, a boom, they've pounced, and they've got it in their mouth, and they run off, and they eat it, and then they bring the head, and they leave it at your back door. Can we relate to that? Or did I, I'm the only person in the world who ever had a psycho cat? I mean, it's like a horror flick cat. He would leave the heads of rats at our door. I think he was wanting affirmation. I really do. Like, ooh, good for you. Don't do that anymore, you know? Kind of freaks you out a little bit. But what were they doing? They were pouncing. They were surprising that animal that was there before they could flee. Now, watch here. The Apostle Paul says, brethren, if a man be overtaken, that means surprised before he can flee, in a fault. A fault is some kind of trouble in their life. Notice what the Bible says. The Bible says don't talk about them. The Bible says don't run them down. The Bible says ye which are spiritual, which we all like to think we are, Restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Now notice he's speaking to the church. And the church is supposed to be aware of each other. Why? Because we're a body. And the Bible says, if there's one amongst us who is overtaken in the fall, he wants us to remember this first thing. Number one, we are a restoration station. All right? The church is a restoration station. Now, what does that mean? 
That means as the body of Christ, we're to be aware, listen, of those that are amongst us who are bearing burdens and from time to time may be overtaken in trouble in their life. Now, folks, this doesn't always mean they're overtaken in a sinful lifestyle. From time to time, circumstances of life will gang up on all of us. I think we'd all be honest tonight. We'd say we've all had a pity party for ourselves from time to time. I try to have one at least once a week. You know, I like parties, so I'll throw one about once a week, and my wife hates coming to it, you know. Get those nice little cone hats, things and everything. Come on over to my pity party. Why? Because it seems like every time you turn around a corner now in 2020 and 2021, something's trying to jump on your back and overtake you. Folks, we're all susceptible to this. Here's the beauty of the church. The beauty of the church is we're a restoration station, and one of the greatest benefits of the church, listen, it's not the fact that we have wonderful music and wonderful people. It's a simple fact. There is wonderful strength in numbers. Aren't you glad? Turn with me, if you will, real quick. You know where we're going. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Let's look at this together tonight. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. You're welcome. Some of you are flipping and... Worried that your neighbor was noticing you didn't know where it was. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Look down if you will. Verse number 9. Now look, this is help for our household. We're all going to be overtaken it from time to time. We're all going to be scattered with some trouble. And boy, we've gone through trouble. Verse number 9, Ecclesiastes 4, the Bible says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Now watch verse 10. Oh, this is so sweet. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. How valuable is a church? Well, I'll tell you how valuable it is because I'll show you how scary it is without one. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Folks, can I tell you something tonight? As a church, we ought to be in the restoration business. All right? The restoration business. You know, we've, we've all gone through a lot the last two years. It's been difficult. It's been unprecedented. And we've all been affected by it in different ways. We all have. Folks, I'm your pastor. I've spoken with just about all of you from time to time. And all of us have been affected in different ways by what we've gone through. All this trouble has caused difficulty in all of our lives. But that's the beauty of a church that we should look around at one another rather than focus in on, hey, you know what? This has just been tough on me. You don't know what I'm going through. We should look around because they're going through the same trouble. They're living in 2020 and 2021. And as a child of God, we should be looking for those who've been overtaken. Why? Because we want to restore them. I saw something neat the other day, and I took a picture of it, but I couldn't find the picture. My wife saw me in the kitchen. And I decided to cook breakfast for her and Miley, and so that meant pulling the Pillsbury biscuits out of the freezer and, and putting them on the sheet pan and cooking them. And so I pulled them out, and like a good man would, I read the instructions, because I'm not too prideful to read instructions on how to cook frozen biscuits. As I'm reading the instructions, I just kind of dumped them out on the pan, you know, like hockey pucks, just dumped them out, and I said, okay, how much temperature and all this for how long? And I saw something. And I went back and looked it up, and I got the exact wording. I have a picture of it somewhere. I just couldn't find it. And when you put the biscuits on the pan, it said something I've never noticed before. And here's what it says. Biscuit sides should touch for higher rising. I've never heard that. I was like, what? 
You know, this is one of those jokes. And his wife said, but it's on the bag of biscuits, so it's got to be real. It says, biscuit sides should touch for higher rising. And I called my wife over, and I says, would you come look at this? The Holy Spirit just spoke to me through my biscuits. And I showed her something, and I took a picture. I wanted to show it to you tonight, but I, I couldn't find the picture for nothing. I have 32,000 pictures on my phone. I could not find that one picture that is on there. I said, isn't that like the church? The closer we stay, the higher we rise. You ought to, look, you ought to adopt some biscuit theology tonight. You ought to be a biscuit believer. Some of you already are. I'm sorry, but it's the truth. You ought to be a biscuit believer to say, you know what? I got to stay close. Because the closer we are, the higher we rise. But you know what the devil wants to do? The devil wants to use the trouble we've been going through in the last couple of years. Chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. He wants to use that trouble to scatter and remove us. He wants to get you out of church. He wants to get you mad at somebody. Why? Because if he can get us separated, we'll never rise to what God would have us to do and who God would have us to be. That's why, watch, you should be in the restoration business. Do you know why? It's our family business. My father was in the restoration business. He still is, by the way. Not necessarily my dad, even though he is too. It's my father. So what do you mean? Well, my father sent his son down to this earth because I was overtaken in a fault, a bad one, an eternal fault called sin. And I was on my way to a devil's hell, and I could do nothing about it. And lo and behold, my father sent his only begotten son to come down and chase after that one lost sheep. Why? So that he could beat the sheep with a stick? No. To restore it. My father's in the restoration business, and you know what? That's our family business. We should be a restoration station here. Why? Because the circumstances of life have a tendency to overtake all of us from time to time. That's a fact. I'll promise you sometime in the last 24 months, with all the chaos of our world, there have been times you have either been overtaken or tempted to be overtaken. And how much of a blessing is it to get an encouragement from somebody? I want you to know I'm praying for you today. I got a text from a preacher a while ago, right before I was getting ready to preach. He said, hey, praying for you in the service tonight. All of a sudden, man, you know, look, a little bit of encouragement will, will overshadow 15 to 20 of your negative faces. All right. Some of you standing there looking like, hurry up, get this over with. Accidentally touching Mickey where he tells you what time it is during the service. So I'll hear it. Yeah. Man, it just encouraged me. Hey, I appreciate people that are in the restoration business. That's what you ought to be in. Why? Because the circumstances of life, chapter 1, have a tendency to scatter us and to weigh on us. I remember Elijah, 1 Kings 19. I'll hurry. Uh, Remember, he's camped out under the juniper tree. Remember that? Now watch this. Just a little while before, Elijah has great victory. 1 verses 450, and he wins. I'd be bragging about it. I'd be posting about it. I'd be spiritually swole up for weeks. I'd be so prideful that the Lord had to knock me down to get me right again. He's sitting under a juniper tree. And what did he say, 1 Kings 19? He wants to die. He wants to die. He went from the top of the mountain to the bottom of the valley, and he tells God, take my life. What happened? Circumstances overtook him. If it could happen to Elijah, it could happen to you. Quit acting like it won't. That's the beauty of a church. You see somebody camped out on the juniper tree, hey, don't talk about them. 
Don't run them down. They've been overtaken. You have a command by Almighty God that when you see a man overtaken in the fall, go restore him. What did God do, by the way? God sent one of his representatives down to cook him a cake. Why? He says, the journey is too great for thee. The road that was ahead for Elijah was too great, and God sent one of his representatives down there to cook him a little cake to strengthen him up. Why? He was trying to restore him. Now, folks, there's people in our church, outside our church, and all over our world that are camped out under a juniper tree, and the journey ahead of them is too great for them, and God's looking for some representatives to go cook them a cake. Look, if need be, literally. Pound cake with that icing on the top of it. My goodness, great. With that lemon in it? Oh, my goodness. Hey, whatever it takes. Why? Because there's a juniper tree with your name on it. There's a juniper tree with your name on it. You're going to be overtaken. And our Father would have us to go and to restore them and to help get them back up on their feet. You say, well, they don't deserve it. Neither did I. Neither did you. I can't help but love Job 42. Job's friends are talking to God. What did he say? Get Job to pray for you. If I'm Job, I'm not wanting to pray for him. I'm being honest. They hadn't been the best of friends. He says, why don't you get Job to pray for you? Job chapter 42, verse 10, the Bible says, and the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Job prayed for them, even though they may not have deserved it at the time. Why? Because he was in the restoration business too. You know what God did for Job? He restored Job better than he was in the beginning. So number one, Galatians chapter six, Paul's trying to gather back together a congregation that's been scattered through trouble he does that by reminding them they're a restoration station. Number two, if you would, look down to verse 2 of chapter 6 of Galatians. Verse 2 keeps the spirit of verse 1 going. Read them together. Verse 2, bear you one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Not only are we a restoration station, but we are burden-bearing believers. Number two. Let's not forget we are burden-bearing believers. Now, I have no doubt tonight... I have very little doubt, we'll put it that way, that if you were to drive down Highway 49 and you saw me carrying a giant boulder on my back for some odd reason that I just decided to carry one and you saw me carrying that across the parking lot and just struggling with it, I believe 95% of you would probably stop and say, hey, can I help you with that? The other 5%, I'm just being honest, I'm not sure just yet, but hey, we still have a lot of time to get to know each other before the Lord comes back. I think most of you would stop and help me carry that. You say, well, I don't know why this goofy preacher is carrying this large rock across the parking lot, but you know, I'm going to stop, I'm going to help him, and you come help me bear my burden. And I would appreciate that, to be honest with you, but do you know, some of the heaviest burdens that we all bear aren't as visible as boulders. Some of the heaviest burdens I have ever borne were some that you couldn't see and you wouldn't know uh, unless I told you. You say, what are those? There are people tonight that are bearing burdens of grief, and sorrow, and mourning. Why? Because of the circumstances. I mean, folks, I'll be honest with you. I've grieved for the last two years because of our circumstances. I know people tonight that are, that are bearing the burden of fear. There's some frightful times that we're living in. And, you know, empty store shelves and the gas prices and political turmoil. They're bearing those burdens, people bearing the burdens of, of bitterness, some people bearing the burdens of shame and sin and doubt, and they're not visible, but they're still burdens that people are carrying. The Bible says in verse number two that we are to be burden-bearing believers. 
Why? I'll give you an example. Proverbs 18, 14, a very powerful verse. Listen closely to this. The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity. The spirit of a man. I think that Americans as a whole, we probably have some of the most spirit in the world. And you can tell that by our country. We had the spirit, that American spirit that carved out a country out of this wilderness. And I'm thankful for that. The Bible says our spirit will, uh, 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 the Bible says our spirit will sustain our infirmity. But listen to the second part. What a wounded spirit who can bear? A wounded spirit. You can't see that. It's in here. The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity. Uh, Maybe it's a physical infirmity. Listen, maybe it's an infirmity, a trial at work. Maybe it's a trial in their home. The spirit of a man can sustain that. But a wounded spirit, who can bear? What is the Bible saying? The Bible says that wounded spirit is something that none of us can bear alone. But wait a minute. Verse 2 says, bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now, one thing for sure tonight is we're all going to bear burdens. But you know, I've had some burdens before that were two-man jobs. You ever had one of those burdens? You know, sometimes I have a burden where I need to go see somebody or, or maybe a problem to resolve, and it's something I can handle. Sometimes I have to call in backup and I bring my wife. All right, honey, I need you to go with me on this one. She's good backup. Good burden bearer. We're all going to face burdens from time to time, and sometimes it takes two of us to help bear the burden so that we can continue on the will of God for our life. Now, here's the neat thing. That word bear means this, to take upon oneself. To take upon oneself. What does that mean? That means you see somebody bearing a burden, and here's the tragedy of the whole thing. People are bearing burdens all around us, and we go to other people. What's wrong with them? Instead of going to them and say, hey, how can I help? How can I help? Look, you seem like you got something on, their, on your mind. Is there something I can do? You seem like your heart is heavy. Hey, can I help anyway? Anyway, let me know. You know what would be most beneficial to them? You came under it with them. Two shoulders are better than one when you're carrying a boulder or something of a wounded spirit. I can't help but think about this verse, Philippians chapter 4, verse 3. The Apostle Paul says, and I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow. Help those women which labor with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers. Paul uses the word true yoke fellow. I've never plowed uh, other than with a tiller and a tractor. Uh, But I hear say that uh, used to they plowed with oxen, and they would have those yokes, and they would have an oxen here, an oxen here. It was a double yoke. And you had two people, but they were pulling one load. Two were better than one. Is that what Ecclesiastes said? Two were better than one. You've got one burden, and they're pulling that plow, but all of a sudden, you know, you're pulling it by yourself, and it's tough. What kind of a blessing would it be to you if all of a sudden one of your fellow Christian oxen comes up and voluntarily gets in the yoke with you? You could pull it twice as far If we just realize tonight that as a child of God, I'm called to be in the restoration business and I'm also called to be in the burden-bearing business. Why? Because circumstances overtake all of us from time to time. All of us are going to have a juniper tree where we just want to sit down and give up and go on to heaven and God has sent us here to be burden-bearers. That's why you got to care enough to be aware of what's going on around you. But you know what that involves? Taking our eyes off our problems for a little while. I am so guilty of wanting to focus on what's on my plate. 
I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. Look at what's on my plate. And I get focused on my burdens and ignore the command to bear ye one another's burdens. I was reading Luke 10 this afternoon, the parable of the Good Samaritan. The word that jumped out to me in Luke chapter 10 was when the Bible says, he put the man on his beast. He says, hey, I'm going to help you bear your burden. I'm going to come under your, hey, look, I'm going to put my beast under you to bear your burden. I'll walk. That's the kind of bearing burdens that God's called us to do. But if we get so wrapped up in our own burdens, I hate to tell you, we're going to miss out on the opportunity to be the church and folks are going to get scattered out of the will of God because we got so focused on our own life. Notice the last part of that and I'll give you the last point. Verse 2, bear you one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And so fulfill the law of Christ. There's no greater example of a burden bearer than Christ. He literally came under my cross and carried it for me. When he fell under the weight of the cross, that was not his, that was mine. And that was yours. And on that cross, we could not see the sin. You're thinking, he couldn't carry just a few pieces of wood. It was heavy alone. But on that cross was my sin and your sin, the sin of the entire world, past, present, and future. And he was carried. You couldn't see it, but it was there. I couldn't see it, but it was there. And he carried it for me. Now, folks, if he could do that for the entire race of humanity, past, present, and future, I can find a fellow believer and come under their cross and help them carry it for a little while. How, what, a, what a horrible thought tonight that people could get out of church and somebody not care enough to go after them. That all the trouble we've been going through. Now, folks, look, I got a lot of people I got to go see. COVID, when you can't go visit people, it's hard to visit people when you can't go visit people. There's folks, listen, who've gotten scattered from our trouble, just like you and I have the tendency to do ourselves. And somebody's got to care enough to say, you know what? I'm going to go climb under their cross with them. And I'm going to help them bear it. Why? Because we're a body of believers who bear burdens for one another. This is what we do for the household of faith. We bear the burdens of believers. We follow that example of Christ. Now, I give you the last thing, and I'm going to go into our week of renewal. If you look at verse number 10, chapter 6, verse 10, the Bible says, as we therefore have opportunity, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. So notice the Bible says, do good to all, but it mentions us and refers to us as the household of faith. Now he's referring to the body of believers as a household. When I read that word uh, household, what comes to mind for me is family. As a family. He says, look, you do good to all men, especially unto those who are of the household of faith, who are of the spiritual family. Now, you know, as a pastor, it's part of my calling to help bear burdens, okay? And I try to bear burdens, and I I really do enjoy helping bear burdens when I can. But when it comes to my family, that burden bearing is on a totally different level. Why? That's my family. That's my family. Look, let's be honest, okay? You do things for your family that that you might not do for me, okay? And that's okay. They're your family. God says, I don't want you to forget, the church is a restoration station. We're a body of believers who bear burdens for one another. And then finally, he shows us here, we're to be a faithful family. Let's be faithful to our family. 
I was in public school many years before I was homeschooled, and uh, I learned real quick one of the laws of public school, they were one of the laws of the street. And that's how I can talk about my family, but you can't. You ever learn that one? They can run their family down, and I can run my family down, and I can talk bad about them, and I can even beat up on my own family. But as soon as you start talking about my family, you've got a fight on your hands. I'm like, wait a minute, I was just agreeing with you. You said they're jerks, so I said they're jerks too. And then I get punched in the face by both of them. Why? I can talk about my family, but you don't talk about my family. Now, folks, here's a principle here in verse number 10. The Lord have us to understand. We're, we're to be sensitive to the needs of everyone, but particularly of our family of faith. Do good to all men, especially them who are of the household of faith. He says, I want you to watch over one another like your family, because we are. Why? Because we have the same father. We're of the same family. What would you do for your family? What would you give for your family? What would you sacrifice for your family? Oh, look, I'll be honest with you. I can't find anything that I don't know that I'd be willing to do for my family. Why? Because that's my family. That's my wife. That's my daughter. Now, folks, we're the part of the family of the household of faith. God says, I want you to look after each other like you're part of the family because you are. By the way, you're even more so family because we're part of that eternal family. We're going to have a great family reunion in the sky one day. It's going to last forever and ever. I wonder what kind of casseroles are going to be in heaven. I'm not sure, but I'm sure there's going to be some there. Great family reunion forever and ever and all throughout eternity. But while we're here, we've got to deal with trouble, don't we? We deal with trouble. And sometimes, as Galatians chapter 1 says, trouble can remove you. Trouble can divide us. But Paul says, don't forget, Galatians 6, if someone gets overtaken, you be in the restoration business. Verse 2, go bear their burdens with them. Don't tell them how to bear them. Go climb under the yoke with them. And then verse 10, he says, remember your family. 1 Corinthians 12, the Bible talks about us all having the same care for one another. The same care. And it says when one member hurts, we should all hurt. We're part of this body. We're all one body. We're different members, but one body. When somebody's hurting, we should all be hurting. We shouldn't say, yeah, because the dummy hit himself in the finger with a hammer. No, we're part of the same body. If my thumb is hurting, my body hurts. And we should have the same care for one another. Why? Because we're of the household of faith. But here's the key, and I'm done. It says, as we have opportunity, as we have opportunity, do you know opportunity is always going to be there? But the reason we miss out on opportunities is because we don't care enough to be aware. And that's a fact. Guilty. You've got to care to be aware. You've got to care and you look around and say, I didn't see so-and-so tonight. I didn't see so-and-so this morning. Uh-huh. Probably backsliding. Isn't that our, isn't, isn't that our go-to? Instead of saying, oh, I, I hope they're not overtaken in something. Maybe I should go to them and help bear that burden. Maybe I should treat them like I would family. Now, folks, tonight, we've experienced a lot of trouble. Paul says, I'm a marvel. You're so soon removed. But if Elijah could be so soon removed from his victory, he went from victory to total depression. In an instant, if he could be so soon removed by trouble, then we're in trouble ourselves. 
But thanks be to God, we have this wonderful institution called the church. And we look after one another to be a restoration station, to be a group of believers who bear burdens and look after one another like we are family because we are family. Now, in three weeks, we're going to have a week of renewal. Lord willing, in three weeks from today, and he doesn't come back. If he comes back before then, hey, all bets are off, okay? I will not be here. You can sing, take up the offering, do all that you want. Don't you hear me out? In three weeks, we're going to have a week of renewal. We're going to have something for everybody throughout that entire week. I'm going to ask them to go ahead and cut the live stream just for a second.